calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. What's the economics of the Arab Spring? And is economic integration key for MENA's private sector development? I'm Usman Hayat from CFA Institute. And to help answer these questions, I'm joined by Dr. Adil Malik from the University of Oxford. Adil has a long-standing research interest in the political economy of Middle East, and he is the co-author of the influential paper, Economics of the Arab Spring. Welcome, Dr. Malik. Good to be here. So tell us, what exactly is the economics of the Arab Spring? Well, everybody understands that uh, the Arab revolts that started uh, two years ago were very much about jobs and justice. Um, I think there's been long-standing economic failure in the Middle East, which has really emanated from a mismatch between demography and economic structure. Both have been moving in different directions. The region's demography has been evolving. A growing proportion of the population's uh, consist of young people under the age of 30. Uh, but while the demography has been evolving, the economic structure has remained rigid in the sense that it's very much dominated by the public sector, dependent on oil, aid, remittances, and very little private sector activity. And there is actually one statistic that best sums it up. In 2008, the combined manufactured exports from the MENA region were less than one country which is Philippines. That's a powerful statistic. So tell us why is the private sector critical for MENA's economic development? Well, obviously, without the private sector, you don't create the jobs. The Middle East will need to create about 100 million jobs within the next 10 years, probably more. And clearly, the public sector cannot absorb all the, the uneducated un youth. So you have uh, to have a strong private sector um, but typically, the approach to creating a private sector has been very narrow and technocratic approach. Um, so the World Bank would typically emphasize investment climate approaches. If you want to develop a private sector, improve your investment climate, climate. extend credit to the firms, um, you know, remove a lot of little restrictions. While they are important in their own right, um, they would not, in my opinion, uh, and in the opinion of my co-author, uh, help to develop the private sector. The private sector, we argue, is first of all a political problem. It's a political problem because it, once you've got a private sector that is independent, it can create new income streams that are independent of the network uh, uh, of income streams that the state creates. And therefore, you've got economic power, which could easily translate into political power, which could create middle classes. And that's why many of the Arab governments have been a bit hesitant uh, on creating a very, very independent private sector. Uh, so it's a political problem. But it's also a regional problem because for a private sector to survive and thrive, the size matters. Uh, and as economists put it, you've got to have economies of scale. You've got to create a bigger market. 
in which firms could operate more efficiently. In your paper, you talk a lot about economic fragmentation and economic integration of MENA. Let's talk about these concepts first. What exactly is it that you mean by economic fragmentation and economic integration? Right. Well, one of the key highlights of our paper um, is a well-known statistic that actually, you know, really about 10% of the total Arab uh, trade consists of intra-Arab trade, which is mutual trade between Arab countries. Um, and funnily enough, whilst other regions have expanded their regional trade uh, uh, at a very fast pace, the Middle East has stuck with that figure. So since 1960s, just about 10% of the total trade is intra-Arab uh, trade. Now, this fragmentation matters. You know, there's, there are lots of uh, procedural as well as other kinds of restrictions that, that, that restrict or prevent the movement of goods, people, and capital. Now, capital markets are a bit more integrated now, but when it comes to the movement of people and the movement of goods, the Middle East a trade regime is governed by a raft of regulations which um, hamper activity. So if you look at the World Bank's Trade Restrictiveness Index, which is an index that measures um, you know, non-tariff barriers uh, that are not trade taxes, but they are silly little restrictions um, or procedural regulations or delays or the number of documents that you have to fill up or port regulations. Um, and if you were to measure uh, all the world on that, uh, you would find the Middle East region is the most fragmented uh, in terms of those regulations. So going by the same line of reasoning, uh, economic integration, in your view, would mean freer movement of goods and services and people across borders in the Middle East and North Africa region? That's right. That's right. I mean, today we live in a world which is very much about linkages. If you look at uh, East Asia, much of East Asia trade is more within the region rather than with outside. It's spending at a very fast pace. We've also got growing trade in tasks or intermediate goods. Uh, rarely do you find a laptop these days which is all manufactured in one place. So the production process has become footloose where uh, it's become even more important to have fewer of these restrictions. And how would you relate um, the arguments about economic fragmentation and economic integration to private sector and job creation? Right. Well, it, it goes back to the whole question about size of the markets, because unless you've got bigger markets, unless you've got a bigger regional market, uh, the region would not be able to diversify. And there's a lot of research that suggests that uh, an in interesting route for countries to industrialize, to engage in trade in tasks or trade in intermediate goods. And for that, you have to have a more relaxed services trade regime. It's also about building complementarities within the region and creating regional uh, supply hubs. Um, I'll provide you just one illustration. I mean, if you think about infrastructure, um, you know, Jordan cannot develop a strong infrastructure, that is energy infrastructure or transport, unless it has regional participation. Uh, and so, uh, it, you know, you would not have profitable enterprise unless you have those linkages. And the biggest economic challenge, which is usually highlighted and attributed to MENA, is considered unemployment and youth unemployment. So do you think that integration would facilitate private sector, which in turn would create the jobs for the unemployed? That's correct. So, you know, these growing regional linkages uh, would create that, those, those kinds of jobs. And I think the key example there is one of Turkey. 
Turkey has expanded by building those regional linkages with Western economies, with economies uh, in the region where it is located. And without those regional linkages, you do not create the kind of profitable base uh, uh, for uh, enterprises, for new firms. Uh, but together with this, there's another important reason why fragmentation matters, because fragmentation preserves the unequal power of businesses. Because when economies are uh, sort of uh, protected, the monopoly power of insiders increases. Uh, and that means that there are massive entry barriers to new firms. If you were to look at new statistics, there are very few firms that are actually being born in the MENA region. And one reason for that is that the borders are all closed. And what's the role of the financial services sector in assisting the private sector? Well, the role of the financial sector is absolutely critical because uh, much of, you know, one might realize that the MENA region is very rich in natural resources and it has no resource problem. But actually, the financial sector uh, has done a bad job in the region uh, in terms of providing access to small and medium enterprises. Um, whilst there's a huge incidence of connected lending, which means lending to the larger, more well-established firms, for upstarts and for small and medium enterprises, there's very little funding. So about 8% of the total lending in the MENA region is directed towards the SME sector. So the region needs a massive effort uh, in terms of enhancing financial access to uh, underprivileged firms or firms that are not yet born but with funds can actually uh, grow and, uh, and, and create jobs. Finally, how would you summarize your thoughts on economics of the Arab Spring, the role of the private sector and economic fragmentation in solving region's problems? Well, I think <clears throat> there are a number of things that we're proposing in this paper. The first one is that the struggle for a new Middle East will be uh, won or lost in the private sector. Uh, um, now, private sector development uh, is both a despised as well as the most desirable aspect of reform. It's the most despised because it is associated with crony capitalism, with all the negatives of a modern neoliberal economy, uh, but it's also the most desirable one because without a strong private sector, the region cannot create jobs and um, you do not create the kind of economic and political constituency that would push for, uh, for reforms. And now, you cannot create a strong private sector in the region unless you start building regional linkages. Uh, regional linkages in terms of trade, investment, finance, uh, because uh, unless there is a major coordinated effort on the part of these countries, uh, it is very difficult to kickstart the private sector. And the best example today is, uh, is Tunisia. Tunisia um, wants to make changes. Uh, many of its initial conditions are right. But at this very moment, when, the, when Europe is suffering from a financial crisis, from a sort of recession, prolonged recession, um, it needs new investment uh, from the region. Uh, it needs new markets from the region. It needs Libya to work so that uh, it could start receiving remittances from its laborers. Uh, so it's a regional problem. And I think so far the region has skirted the regional question more as a luxury, luxury for the region. Uh, it's no longer an intellectual luxury, it's a necessity. And if there's one strategic concession that policymakers could give out to their populations, it is really by connecting regional markets. Because without connecting, they cannot compete. So interesting. It is a private sector that would create the jobs for MENA and lead its growth and development. 
and for development of the private sector, we need regional integration. That was the argument made by Dr. Adil Malik. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our Take 15. Thank you, Dr. Malik, for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And thank you, our viewers, for watching. Copyright 2013 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.